The name of Jesus Christ is important, and there is no other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. Because in the Bible, when we talk about a name, we're talking about the person's reputation, who they are, and what they have done. Today is Easter, and we are worshiping Jesus because of his powerful resurrection and what that's going to mean to us. So today we're going to be celebrating communion, a time to remember the death of Jesus. And just for some of you who this may upset your circadian rhythm, I just want you to know that the communion will be in the middle and not at the end. Okay? Bridge kids, thank you for coming. You're dismissed. Thank you, teachers and leaders who serve us in Bridge Kids. On August 16, 1987, Northwest Flight 225 crashed just after takeoff. Uh, at the Detroit airport, killing 155 people, and one person survived. She was a four-year-old girl named Cecilia. When rescuers arrived, they first assumed that no one could survive the crash. The airliner had destroyed three cars in the crash, and for sure one person uh, was dead uh, from just that. When Cecilia was discovered, they assumed she was from one of the cars. When they checked the airline manifest, Cecilia's name was on the list, along with her mom and dad and six-year-old brother. Cecilia was recovered from the crash site by Dr. Girado, a physician. Cecilia was found under a suitcase, an airplane seat, And two victims. It was her mom's body that covered Cecilia. Apparently, she had unbuckled her seatbelt, gotten down in front of Cecilia, and wrapped her arms around Cecilia and never let go. That's the sacrificial kind of love of a mom. And that's a sacrificial kind of love that God has for you and for me. Easter is about God sending his one and only son, Jesus Christ, to rescue us from life's eternal crash. Jesus came to save us from sin and from life wreckage. For us to understand and appreciate Easter, sometimes, you know, Easter is so much fun and so positive, we forget, like, why is this so important? What is the context of Easter? What makes it so important? So we know that God sent his son, Jesus, and we celebrated Christmas to remind us of how God became a human at that birth in in Bethlehem. And Jesus um, lived kind of almost privately for 30 years, and then publicly his ministry began, and then he was dead by the time he was 33 years old, in his 33rd year. 
God had a plan for this all throughout the history of the world. Uh, God foretold many things to us. Um, Some say as much as 450 passages refer to Jesus. Uh, This last week we celebrated uh, sometimes what we call the Holy Week. Um, Some are more more focused on the traditional church calendars than others. But uh, last weekend was, uh, last Sunday would have been Palm Sunday. And that was a time that we see in the New Testament where Jesus rode into Jerusalem on a donkey, which seems like, what's the big deal about that? But this was a picture of a king entering the city of Jerusalem in great triumph. And even Zechariah, the prophet, predicted that he would come on a donkey. And the people were so excited that their Messiah had come that they laid down palm branches and they laid down their coats in honor of him, sort of paving the way in humility and giving praise to God for the presence of Jesus Christ. When it comes to, uh, and then we have, uh, we have uh, Thursday, sometimes called Monday Thursday, and Jesus uh, celebrated his last supper with his disciples and instituted for us a communion meal, something to remember him. He was later uh, arrested, he was betrayed, and um, was up all night facing uh, trials and hearings before officials, nailed to the cross about nine o'clock in the morning and dead by around 3 p.m. When you think about the disciples, they were devastated. We see this from the resurrected side. It just like everything was lost. We call that Good Friday because it was good for us. It, It didn't feel good for them. And then there was Easter Sunday morning, and there was a resurrection of Jesus Christ. The tomb was empty, and God demonstrated victory over sin and over death and over Satan for us to understand the good news. And even in celebrating communion today, let's be reminded of the bad news. There is good news about Easter, and to appreciate that, we must understand the bad news Or why is the good news so good? So, um, you know, Easter, to understand Easter, it's more than understanding Easter lilies and Easter eggs and Easter bunnies and chocolate. Chocolate is okay. Chocolate is good. But it's more than that. And so the bad news first. Um, Romans 3.23 has, uh, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. This is the bad news. Because this is the human condition. But this is the revelation of God. This is what God says about humanity. He created us. He designed us. He had a plan for us. And this is what describes us. We all have fallen short. Now some have, uh, have made some better choices than other people, but all have fallen short. Because God has high standards. His standards are perfection. To fall short is to miss God's mark. His standard of perfection. That's what sin is. It's, it's our attitude and our actions that don't honor God. 
And he, he gave us uh, the Ten Commandments, just a kind of a little measuring stick. There's a whole lot more passages in the Bible that describe what sin is. But just as a measuring stick, uh, you know, sometimes people think, well, good people, this doesn't apply to good people. It just applies to people that are sort of uh, badder than me kind of thing. Um, first commandment, don't have any other gods before me, God said. Have you ever put anything ahead of God? Have you ever put another person in your life ahead of God? Have you ever put your career ahead of God? Or your personal time ahead of God? Have you ever put um, money ahead of God? Or your dreams ahead of God? If you did, then you fell short of God's standard. And we're not to take God's name in vain, to use it in an empty way. If you've ever used God's way in a dishonoring, God's name in a dishonoring way, you've fallen short. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Honor your parents. Have you ever dishonored your parents, disobeyed them, been mad at them, hated them? Um, the fifth one is don't kill. Even if you wanted to kill your parents or your kids, you've fallen short. And not to commit adultery. Jesus said, even if you lust in your heart, you commit adultery in your heart. And don't steal. If you've ever taken something that didn't belong to you, even in the sandbox, you've fallen short. And if don't bear false witness. If you've ever not told the truth about somebody else, if you've been deceptive, you've fallen short. If you've ever coveted something that belongs to someone else, wanted it, made it this big deal, then you've fallen short. We just call it advertising. But we have the possibility of missing God's standards. Matthew 5.48 says, Be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. We have to remember those are God's standards. No one, no one, no matter how religious or how good, can measure up. There are consequences. Romans 6.23 reminds us of that. For the wages of sin is death. Here's a passage that has the good news and the bad news in the same verse. The wages of sin is death. It's the bad news, the good news, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Wages are what we earn or what we deserve for what we've done. There are consequences. God says the consequences for sin, because we're all sinners, is death. Now, that includes physical death. And we're all destined to die once. Physical death is when the body separates from the soul. Key idea of death in the Bible is separation. There's something eternal about human beings and something temporal. And the body is temporal, but the soul is eternal. And they separate at physical death. The wages of sin is death. But in Romans 6, 23, God means more than just physical death, he means spiritual death, an eternal separation from God, 
And it's described in the Bible that includes eternal separation from God, not being in God's presence, and includes an eternal punishment. Jesus called it hell. It's ultimate condemnation, separation from God. Read about it in Revelation chapter 20, verses 11 through 15. That's the bad news. Sometimes we just soft sell the bad news. All of us are in that boat. All of us have sinned. The good news, and this is what makes the good news so good, Romans 5, 8. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. God loves you so much. He loves us so much that he, he provided a solution for our problem which is our sin. He came up with this. He solved the problem. He made the provision out of love. The same kind of love a mother has for her daughter to cover her body at the risk that costs her her own life. God demonstrated his love. He proved it, that Christ died for us. He was our substitute He took our place. The wages of sin is death. And that's exactly what I deserve. That's what we all deserve. And I'm not being anybody's judge. I'm just saying what the scripture says. The wages of sin is death. He took our death on himself. And something amazing happened in heaven. God the Father was totally satisfied with what Jesus did as a payment for our sin to cover all of our sin. We don't deserve it. It was because of God's love. It wasn't because some of us are better than others. It was totally because of God's love. He stood in there and took our place. Jesus took our consequences. We don't have to pay it. In fact, we can't pay it. We can't add anything to it. Sometimes people get the idea, okay, um, let's look at the next uh, Romans 10, 9, and 10, and I'll come back to that. Romans 10, 9, and 10, this is the one thing God asks. He's done the work, and this is the one condition he has for us. If you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, And believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead. You will be saved. Believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead. Now when the Bible talks about the heart. That doesn't just mean sort of the touchy feely part of you. Because that's often what we think in our discussions. In the Bible the heart is the whole total person. The inner person. The whole mind and emotions and total person. It includes the intellect. Believe that Jesus died for you and he was raised again. And that his resurrection demonstrates victory over death, victory over sin, and victory over Satan. For it is with your heart that you believe and you are justified. And it is with your mouth that you profess your faith and are saved. When we profess it with our mouth, it's like the fruit of what's already happened. It's the fruit of our belief. 
It is our trust in Jesus that saves us. It's not our mouth that saves us. It's just the profession of what we believe. And if somebody is not able to profess that Jesus has died for them and they believe that he paid the penalty for their sin, then I I don't have any reason to believe that they actually have placed their faith in Christ. It's with your heart that you believed and are justified. It's with your mouth that you profess your faith and and are saved. That's why Acts 16.31 says, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you're saved. It's simply to believe, to trust, to rely on, to count on. Now, I mentioned earlier that sometimes people get the idea, okay, we can believe in Jesus and be good, and hopefully we'll get saved. That's not what the Bible says. Believe in Jesus. He did it all. There's nothing else that you can add to it. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9 says, For by grace are you saved through faith. It's not of yourselves. It's a gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. It's not believe and try to be good. It's understanding. Listen, Jesus did it all and you can add nothing to it. Nothing, nothing, nothing. It's by grace. Something we don't deserve. It is a gift of God. And yes, as a Christ follower, it does make a difference how I live. God has designed that I follow Jesus and seek to live like him and use the resources that he's given to follow. That's the Christian life. We're going to celebrate communion right now. Communion is a time when we come together as a church and we remember these things. Jesus died for us. In 1 Corinthians chapter 11, the Apostle Paul reminds us of, he he writes this, Therefore I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you. So the Apostle Paul is saying, this comes from Jesus. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body. He had bread in his hand. He said, This is my body. He was using a metaphor, a figure of speech. This represents me. This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Why do we do it? To remember him. We don't do it because something magical happens when we put the bread in our mouth. We do it to remember who he is and what he's done for us. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body. And after supper, he took the cup saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. And so, um, when we take the bread and the cup, we are to remember. It ought to humble us. It ought to remind us that we are sinners, that Jesus had to die for us. He experienced an awful death. And um, when you think of 
that first Good Friday. His disciples had spent the night with him. They had this meal together. And then on that Friday, they were devastated. Their hero was dead. Their dreams were shattered. They had lost their friend tragically to a horrific death of crucifixion. This this was dark. And then he was put in the grave for three days. They didn't know that Sunday was coming. Even though he had told them ahead of time that it would after three days. So I want to invite um, our band back up. And I want to invite our servers to come up. And uh, we are going to remember Jesus' death. So as they come, here's how we celebrate communion at the bridge. Um, We're going to have two stations at the front. And um, the Bible says that communion is for those who follow Christ. And if you are a Christ follower, whether you're a member of the bridge or not, you are welcome uh, to join us and to participate today as a follower of Christ. And the Bible says that we need to examine ourselves beforehand just to make sure that we're okay with God. God has given a provision as a Christ follower when we fail because we all do and we all need the provision. 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us of all unrighteousness. And the Apostle Paul tells us in that 1 Corinthians 11 passage that we ought to examine ourselves before we do this just to make sure that everything's okay between us and God. And so I'm going to pause right now, and I'm going to pray. And we're going to thank God for the bread and the cup. And use this time to examine yourself. And um, when you're ready, please just come to the front and get the, take the bread and the cup and then go back to your seat. And you can take it whenever you're ready, okay? Let's bow in prayer. Father, we're grateful for the reminder that we should remember Jesus, who he is, and what he's done for us. And that's what we are doing now. We're so thankful that you sent your son as a solution to our problem of sin. And Father, we just ask that you would just right now, just privately search our hearts and remind us if there is any sin that needs to be confessed to you right now. Just allow God to show you your own personal failings, your sin. Ask him to forgive you and to cleanse you. Because he will. He's promised that. It's not based on how you feel. It's based on the promise of Jesus. And then, God, right now, we thank you for the bread that represents the body of our Lord Jesus Christ, the body that was nailed to the cross, the body that took on the sin of the world the body that experienced our death. 
Thank you for the bread that reminds us of this. And then we thank you for the cup that reminds us that Jesus' blood was shed on our behalf. That Jesus' blood was a payment for our sin. It provided redemption and reconciliation with you. We give you praise for that. May we be mindful of it. May we be humble before you and each other. Thank you for the bread. Thank you for the cup. In Jesus' name, amen. So whenever you're ready, just please come. Good morning. I'll be reading from John chapter 20, verses 1 through 9. Early on the first day of the week, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb and saw that the stone had been removed from the entrance. So she came running to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one Jesus loved, and said, They have taken the Lord out of the tomb, and we don't know where they have put him. So Peter and the other disciple started for the tomb. Both were running, but the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. He bent over and looked in at the strips of linen lying there, but did not go in. Then Simon Peter came along behind him and went straight into the tomb. He saw the strips of linen lying there, as well as the cloth that had been wrapped around Jesus' head. The cloth was still lying in its place, separate from the linen. Finally, the other disciple, who had reached the tomb first, also went inside. He saw and believed. They still did not understand from Scripture that Jesus had to rise from the dead. The tomb was empty. It was a total surprise. Christ's followers didn't see it coming. This was good news. Good news for us. It's easy to look back. How important is the resurrection? One of my favorite passages is 1 Corinthians 15. The Apostle Paul just reminds us. He says, now brothers and sisters, I want to remind you of the gospel. That means good news. Whenever you see gospel, that means good news. I want to remind you of the gospel I preached to you, which you received, and on which you have taken your stand. By this gospel you are saved. If you hold firmly to the word I preached to you, otherwise you have believed in vain. Next slide. For what I received, I passed on to you as of first importance. This is what Paul thought of the resurrection. Um, First importance. That Christ died for our sins, according to the scriptures. That he was buried. That he was raised on the third day, according to the scriptures. And now comes the proof for his followers. And then he appeared uh, to Cephas. And that's the Aramaic name for Peter. He appeared to Peter. And then to the twelve. Next slide. After that, he appeared to more than 500 of the brothers and sisters at the same time, and most of whom are still living, though some who are fallen asleep, meaning they'd already experienced a physical death for a believer. Then he appeared to James. Not James, one of the disciples, one of the 12, but James, who was his own biological brother, 
who had not gotten it that Jesus was the Messiah until now, until he appeared to James, then to the apostles, and last of all, he appeared to me, the apostle Paul says, as one as to one abnormally born, one untimely born, years later, he appeared on the road to Damascus to the Apostle Paul, and it changed Paul's life forever. Matter of fact, this was such a big deal that the apostles, the twelve, the Apostle Paul, their lives were so radically changed as a follower of Christ Peter stood up in Jerusalem and, and, and reminded the, the people in Jerusalem that it was because of them that Jesus was crucified. It was highly risky. It was dangerous. And out of this, the, the church was born and it mushroomed, exploded into 3,000 right off the bat. And all of these men gave their lives and died um, tragic, radical deaths. The Apostle John was thrown into a vat of boiling oil, but he lived through it and died in his old age. Everyone else died because of their uh, torture or execution. In Revelation chapter 1, verse 18, the Apostle John, 60 years After the resurrection of Jesus, he records this. Jesus appeared to him. I am the living one. I was dead. And now look, I'm alive forever and ever. And I hold the keys of death and Hades. Jesus is alive. He's alive right now. And when he appeared to John, he he said, I hold the keys, meaning I have the authority for death. Spiritual death, separation from God. I have the authority over Hades, another name for hell in the Bible. I have the authority of, of hell and death. And then, in, and by the way, again, you want to see what death is all about eternally? Read Revelation 20, verses 11 through 15. The result is the lake of fire. John 14, 6, Jesus said this, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. When you think about this, this is either true or it's false. I mean, if you want to be totally logical, this is true or false. It is not a maybe or partially or some kind of true. Jesus said he is the way to the Father. Jesus has the authority Just like he has authority over death and hell, Jesus has the authority over heaven. Jesus has authority of life. He offers life. He has the authority to offer life. He is truth. He's an embodiment of truth. This is the truth. And it's going to be through Jesus that anyone and everyone has the possible access to God. Jesus said this in John eleven twenty five. He said, I am the resurrection and the life. And interesting, he said this about a week before he died. 
I am the resurrection and the life. They didn't get it. His followers didn't get the resurrection part yet. But later it's going to make a lot of sense to them. I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though he dies. That was probably like a riddle for his followers when he said it. Anyone who believes in Jesus will live eternally. You know, spiritual life starts the instant life. Eternal life starts the instant you believe. It's not at death. It's now. It's a spiritual dimension, a quality of life, an eternal connection with God. The Holy Spirit comes to live inside of us. Beginning a relationship with God. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. We might all face physical death. That's normal. The Bible says, just as it is destined to, for man to die once, that's normal. After that comes the judgment, Hebrews 9 says. We all have this accountability eternally. Jesus is the resurrection and life. And we're going to, we may die, but there's life beyond that. There's an eternal life. This isn't just an escape. This is the way things really are, whether you like it or not. It's good news. I never believed because I wanted to go to heaven. I heard about that and I understood it. But I wanted to believe because Jesus was who he said he was. The promises are just a huge benefit. It's about knowing him and and having a relationship with God for an eternity. So um, I read this earlier, but let's look again at Romans 10, 9 and 10. If you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Now, there's a lot of people in this room who have made that decision at some time in their life. They've put their faith in Jesus Christ, and they've experienced the forgiveness of sins, and they know that they're saved from sin's penalty. There may be some of you, and if there's just one of you in this room who has never placed your faith in Christ, I want you to understand today how you can do that. Verse 10, for it is with your heart that you believe and and are justified, and it is with your mouth that you profess faith and are saved. On June 17th, 2017, the U.S. destroyer, the USS Fitzgerald collided with a Philippine flag container ship 56 miles off the shore of Japan. Seven sailors died in the collision. There was a huge, a huge damage to the ship below the waterline. 37-year-old fire controlman, first-class Gary Lee Rem, went into action. And he went below the waterline. He wasn't there initially. And he had uh, talked about, and, and people knew this about him. He said, if my, he, 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 said, he called the sailors on the ship. He was 37. Most of the sailors were young. And he called them his kids. And he said, if my kids die, I'm going to die with them. And when he went down, oh, 
it, it, he um, rescued 20 sailors from death. And he was one of the ones, one of the seven who didn't make it out. And that's an example of someone who would sacrifice for other people, who would lay down their lives. That's exactly what Jesus did for you. He took your place. You deserve the death. The wages of sin is death. He took your place and offers to you uh, forgiveness. He offers eternal life. And what he asks of you is, will you trust him? Will you trust what God says about his son? And um, one of the ways that uh, if you want to place your faith in Christ this morning, and if this is something you've never done, uh, I want to invite you to pray along with me. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to share a prayer with you. And I want to go through it one time so you understand to make sure it makes sense of you because we don't want anybody to feel like they're somehow tricked into something. But if it makes sense to you, I'm going to pray it again a second time. When I pray it the second time, I'll ask us to bow our heads together. And if that prayer made sense to you, I want you to pray it from your own heart, just between you and God, okay? And here's the prayer. Now just, you know, you can everybody just look up here. Does this prayer make sense? Dear God, I admit that I'm a sinner. All have sinned. Me too. Thank you that you sent Jesus to die for me. I trust him right now. And Lord, I need Jesus in my life to help me be the person that you want me to be. It's, it's that simple. But, it, but you have to respond back to God. You have to trust what Jesus said. He's alive right now. He offers this to you. He offers forgiveness. He offers eternal life. He wants to be in your life and help you to be the person he wants you to be. So let's bow our heads together right now. Every head is bowed with me and no one's looking around. And here's the prayer. Dear God, I admit that I'm a sinner. I thank you that Jesus died for me. He took my place. I know I deserve that death. Thank you. I trust Jesus who paid for all my sin. He died in my place. I, I believe that. And God, I, I want Jesus to help me to be the person that you want me to be. Thank you. And let's just keep our heads bowed for just another few seconds. If you prayed that prayer with me, would you mind just slipping up your hand so I can see you? If you prayed along with me this morning. Thank you. Anybody else, if you prayed with me this morning, go ahead and slip up your hand. Thank you. Thank you. God, I'm grateful for those today who have Raise their hand indicating they've placed their faith in Jesus Christ. And we rejoice, Father. And um, may they just sense your presence and um, 
see the kind of change that you want to bring in their lives to help them, to forgive them. Maybe they sense right now that their sins are forgiven because of Jesus. May the Lord give them direction and help and comfort in the days ahead, and may he give them strength. May they have confidence that their sins are forgiven. And then, God, I pray for um, all of us in this room. We are reminded of the powerful resurrection of Jesus. May we not take that for granted. May we continue to learn in the power of that resurrection, to have that strength just one day at a time. The same power that raised Jesus from the dead is available to each one of us. And as the Apostle Paul said, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And may that be true of us too. In Jesus' name, amen. Several of you raised your hand this morning to indicate that you had prayed that prayer with me to place your faith in Christ. The Bible says, uh, if you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart, you will be saved. If you believe this morning, you are saved from the penalty of your sin. I want to encourage you to share that with somebody else. Confess with your mouth. I would love for it if you uh, prayed with me this morning, if you just mention that to me on the way out, that you prayed. That's a way of saying that you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord. First Peter chapter 1, verse 3 says, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. That's what Easter is all about. We have a new hope. Next week, we're going to continue in our study with Luke, and we're going to be in Luke chapter 7. Thank you for coming to the bridge this morning. God bless you all. We're dismissed.